Ciao, this is Lucas. Welcome to the Toast of the Wild East, podcast for ambitious Toastmasters willing to raise their game. Every Wednesday, a new episode comes out in which I interview a guest willing to share their insights about applying what they learn in Toastmasters in their professional career to help you do the same. Our guest today is Giorgio Ripamonti, an insurance industry 360 degrees expert who worked across functions from asset management to sales, product development and strategy to name a few, and who is very keen on continuous learning. So keen that he just started a 22 months long executive MBA program to further upskill himself. Giorgio is based in Milan and has been a member of several Toastmasters clubs around the world, currently club coach in two, and he is a regular at district conferences. Giorgio, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Lucas. Thank you for having me. Do you remember the first day you came to a Toastmaster meeting? Absolutely. Actually, it was uh, in Zurich, in a club which is called Zurichberg Toastmasters. I still remember when I got into the venue. It was a very old, uh, traditional in the old district of Zurich and it was in a theater room at the third floor of this uh, building and then you had to get into the club uh, by a side door so it was a bit hard to find and to scout the entrance because it was not through the main uh, restaurant door but you had to go in the little sideway and then uh, uh, climb the stairs it was wooden stairs it was looking everything very very strange to me because i you know usually you get through the main door and not from the side door and then i was welcomed by amazing people who said very very warmly uh, their welcomes and then sit down relax they gave me the summary of the day of what would have gone through and on that day i actually saw a speech which was so amazing that I decided to join Toastmasters on the spot. I was going to the meeting without any expectations out of a friend's invite who just recently decided to go to Toastmasters. So I just wanted to check it out. And uh, this person was actually doing Steve Jobs presentation when uh, introducing the iPod to the word. And it was perfect literally i still remember that i having my jaws dropping after the speech i said like i need to be here to do a speech like this in front of an audience and i joined two clubs within i believe a month immediately after this very first speak i didn't even wait for the usual two to three times go and check it out I just immediately submitted my form and then I looked for another club uh, because I wanted to go to Toastmasters every week. And usually clubs, as you know, meet on a fortnightly basis, but I, I said, no, I want to go each and every week to Toastmasters. So, and that's how my Toastmasters career started. I then uh, changed country, uh, started the club in, uh, in Italy or helping to start the club in Italy with an amazing team. It's called Toastmasters Monza. 
And then I joined the Milliners Club, uh, and I'm actually still a member of this club. In Milan is an English-only speaking club, and uh, it's truly amazing. It's a very vibrant, young, uh, and expat uh, club uh, for the people in Milan. But a lot of people also coming in from universities, so it's very uh, entertaining to hear the kind of discussion and speeches you might have at that club. I strongly invite all the listeners to come and join us in one of our hybrid meeting because we're still on hybrid or actually we're just starting to go on hybrid after one year uh, plus online. When you joined Toastmasters at the very beginning, where, what year was that? And in what place were you in your career? Could you describe that a little bit? Okay, so it was about 2012. Uh, I was in Zurich and I was working in the asset management department from uh, a large uh, reinsurance carrier in Zurich. And I was doing strategic asset allocation. I would say I was a freshman in my career, was probably two years down the line uh, from when I started. What does it actually mean, that kind of job? What is it that you had to do during your day? Oh, essentially look at uh, macroeconomic data uh, coming from all over the world and analyze them and try to forecast uh, the downturns or upturns of the financial markets across the different asset class. Of course, everyone is familiar with the equity market. So you look at the equity market, you feel like, okay, what is this decision from the central bank or how is this decision from the central bank is going to affect the equity market and the bond market and then the real estate market and the private debt market. And you try to make scenarios of what can go right, what can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you take a, a decision on how to invest your money based on uh, three to five years and then longer also time horizon because um, when you work for an insurance company or insurance company, the investment horizon is uh, according to your liabilities or potential liabilities, let's put it this way. And as a result, you need to look up to maybe 30 years down the line of what's going to happen. So it's a bit of forecasting, maybe forecasting sometimes while managing the uh, uncertainties of the moment. At that time, I remember after I joined the department, uh, there was immediately the first shock, which was the very unfortunate events of the Fukushima Daiichi uh, earthquake, calling the meltdown in Japan. Very uh, sorrowful uh, happening. And, uh, and then there was the European debt crisis and, and, and a lot of the issues which uh, ensued after that. So it was a very, very busy period of my life, but uh, I was very happy to be part of Toastmasters regarding of how busy work was. So that was when I joined Toastmasters. Interesting. From what you're describing, uh, it sounds to me that you were like a spreadsheet guy. Did you have to do a lot of presentation in that job? You can just name a number and I doubled it, I would say. Yes. There has been a lot of presentations being made because all the decisions needs to be uh, taken by very high level stakeholders committee. 
So you do the spreadsheet work, you come up with the numbers, and then you have to present them or put them in a nice presentation for management to present to the higher ups. So I've been PowerPointing a lot, I would say, during those, those years. <laughs> okay, okay. So, we, well, like one, one thing is creating PowerPoints and the other thing is like delivering the presentation, right? And so the question I'm asking is, you know, I'm curious whether it was something at your work that motivated you to visit that first Toastmaster meeting or whether it was something else. I would say that it was more of a personal life decision. Uh, I didn't, as mentioned before, I just had a friend who told me about this organization about expats uh meeting in zurich of course there are some locals but there were a lot of expats uh, being a, an english-speaking club in zurich and then i just decided to to go up and see uh with really no expectations but then uh, i realized immediately after the first meeting that a lot from what could be learned from toastmaster could have been applied also to my job and uh, i would say that at the beginning let's say the first six months of my Toastmasters life uh, were mostly focused on getting skills from my job. And then afterward, it turned out that it was more about the amazing friends who I met at Toastmasters. And I believe that it's mostly still the reason why I'm going at Toastmasters today is because I meet amazing people uh, which have been friends uh, across many, many years rather than just to go and learn new skills. But um, that's my personal take out of, out of it. And uh, I do believe that uh, once you're a member of Toastmasters and you meet people and then you engage with them, you spend time with them, you, you become part of the what I call the Toastmasters family. And uh, again, mentioning before, we traveled across Europe extensively, I have to say, for conferences, uh, just uh, essentially to be able to to hang out uh, while in a very uh, productive contest because you learn a lot, but also you enjoy a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, I find it very interesting that you said that actually your initial visit to those masters was not motivated by the needs that you had at work. You were just checking out something that a friend recommended to you. But very early on, you were able to find the link and how what you could learn in Toastmasters, how that could be helpful for your job. I'm also thinking, so you shared with me that what like your, your role models were, and you were mentioning uh, you were mentioning Stephen Covey and Jim Quick and the Lewis House. Were you aware of these and obviously others before you joined Toastmasters, or did this come as a as a follow-up after that you got into the Toastmasters, which is like really a lot into the self-development you got into this community so what was first so all the names uh, i mentioned you last time we spoke about uh came over the last two years mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so is something which i will say very much uh recent versus toastmasters toastmaster was first uh, and then uh, I started reading more uh, as I grew of age, let's put it this way. And then I, I learned about those authors and the content they publish and the podcast, uh, the podcast as well as that they do. And I truly found them helpful to, to learn new things. Uh, on Luis's side, he does have a podcast and a book, which is called The School of Greatness. 
Lewis himself is a former Toastmaster. And uh, what he does is that he prepares people or he gives people enough acts from all sorts of uh, different ways of life, from mindset to uh, nutrition to uh, body training to you name it, all the sorts of life with the aim is to aim for greatness. And um, and I believe that Toastmasters um, aim for greatness in the way they speak, in the way they want to be leaders on the way they are leaders and they want to keep on proving themselves. And this is uh, truly aligned, I believe, with the Toastmasters wave of, uh, of thinking. Mm-hmm. Got it. Understand. Okay. So um, I think... The, you joined those masters in 2013, and now we are eight years further down the line. How did your activities in Toastmasters influence, if in any way, your corporate career, and possibly how did your corporate career influence your activities in Toastmasters over those past eight years? Absolutely. So I think I should talk about um, what I do right now, and. And then I will tell you how the Toastmaster did help in what I'm doing right now. Currently, I have a, a role in a large uh, multinational insurance company. I work in a, in, a par- in a department which is called the cyber insurance function, where we are essentially a very small team in a sort of startup environment within a large behemoth. Mm-hmm. How can you operate uh, as a as very small team in a startup? Because our goal is to set up something new uh, within the company, uh, start the, to sell a new product across the different geographies with all and with all what that entails. And the way you do it is that you need to be a servant leader, and this is what Toastmaster really teaches us and wants us to to become. Why am I saying that? Because uh, if you are the master and commander leader style, you cannot uh, start as a startup in a large company with a lot of politics, a lot of different departments and a lot of bigger businesses than yours and go around ordering people what to do or what not to do. You need, of course, the leadership to be recognized, to be visible, and then you uh, at the same time, you need to be a servant leader, namely supporting people in the change which you're trying to introduce and which you are introducing. You need to take some staff by the end if needed because it's something new uh, to them and you cannot just say, just go and do it. And, um, and being always supportive uh, until all the operations are set up, but also after the operations are set up because that's the best way to build a collaboration within the, the team, the structure, and, and the company. And I'm doing this at the global level. And uh, this truly connects to the Toastmasters way of life at the international level. For some people who might not be that familiar with the industry, cyber insurance, what does it mean? Essentially, uh, People would be more familiar probably with their house insurance or their health insurance or their car insurance. What we do in cyber insurance is that that we take at the heart the concept of uh, cybersecurity. We work with uh, white hat hackers and security professionals 
and we insure against the financial losses a company might uh, have to experience after a cyber attack. As you read it on the newspapers, I guess, almost on a weekly, if not daily basis. I even experienced it. The company I work for, we had a big, big trouble after a cyber attack, I believe it was 2017. So like all our systems were down for a month or something. So Correct. Big, big thing, yeah. <laughs> so that's exactly the kind of experiences I'm working with on, uh, on the insurance side. And we have a lot of discussions with the companies, which we and the clients we are working with. Uh, also to spread some awareness around the concept of cybersecurity or being more ready for um, the cyber attacks because uh, it, they are subtle and they are not as visible as what we say in the technical jargon in like a traditional peril. So for example, when you have a fire in your house, you can see it. A cyber attack, you simply don't. And the, and the trauma, which actually you can experience uh, because you're not ready, you're never seen it. You actually don't see it on some pictures on the newspapers because uh, something which is truly intangible is can be actually quite shocking uh, when you get all your credentials uh, taken, your PCs down, your private uh, life has been intruded. Uh, all your pictures are gone, all your files, everything all your life is taken. And that's the same for uh, a company. And you probably have to pay some FD amounts and to recover them if you can't recover them, because let's put it uh, nicely. Uh, sometimes even if you pay, you don't get your um, data back. And this happens quite often. So it's, uh, it's always very unwise to pay. And it's better to invest in prevention measures like proper system, proper firewalling, proper antiviruses, uh, having uh, all your data being backed up in uh, on separate hard drives and on cloud and, and all the things which need to be enacted to make sure that you uh, will not have a total disaster in your in your life. And this goes well both for corporates and also for your private individuals please do back up your files guys <laughs> yes always always back up I, I know that uh, some people even in our in our company i work in an it hub they have this big big sticker on their laptop always back up I, I think this how you explained it now it also helps me understand why you guys you and your team why you need to act uh, as somehow as a startup because i think uh, there's a lot, lot of uncertainty in this area, right? I think hurricanes and fires and flood, they've been around for, uh, well, since, since ever, right? So for thousands of years. So I guess they're the insurance company have some, some history to look at, whereas the cyber crime, it's rather a new thing. So I guess, yeah, there, there has to be a lot of uncertainty when you're trying to set up how the business is going to work. Yeah, that's correct. And that's what we are trying to do at our best. Uh, data are piling in, and uh, but we let's say we are writing history as it develops. And the industry is quite nascent, especially in Europe. Uh, in the US, it's been more established, uh, let's say, over the last 20 years. But we are talking about uh, 20 years long history versus hundreds of years, as you mentioned. So definitely... Uh, there is a lot of room to grow, a lot of room to experience, a lot of things to try out. 
and uh, there would be a lot of changes and then uh, we will have to deal with those changes as a servant leader within the organization and whoever will come next of course mm -hmm. got it okay so so you explained that you need to be a servant leader to run a team like this uh were you able to spot any other parallels between what you're doing now at work and what you saw working in those masters absolutely i would say and um, that uh, corporate life is up to a certain extent very similar to uh, running a club at Toastmasters. And let me explain you why. At Toastmasters, for those who are not familiar with the format, you do have a so-called executive committee where you do uh, have a president, which is essentially a CEO. When you do have a VP membership, which is a chief sales officer, when you do have a VP of education, which is a chief product officer, when you do have a treasurer, which is a CFO, sergeant at arms, chief of logistics, and a secretary. That's, Those that, that's, so, that's so cool, you know, because when you mentioned the VP education is a chief product officer, which is much more precise Very because before, in comparisons, I would be thinking of VP education like chief of trainings, but... Actually, not, that's not correct because the product of to, the education is the product of Toastmasters, right? That's correct. Ah. And, uh, and also, let's not forget that the VPPR, which is the chief marketing officer for all those VPPRs out there, we haven't forgotten you. But uh, your product, when you are in the executive committee, is the leadership and uh, public speaking program uh, according to the Toastmaster format. And what you have to do is to, first of all, uh, attract your customers, which are the new members, your fellow Toastmasters. You need to make sure that they achieve their goals, their uh, leadership goals or public speaking goals within the allotted time within their own expectations. You need to retain them because each and every year there is a renewal period of Toastmasters and people change ways of thinking, people might want to look for other challenges and people might lose some motivations after some years that people can come and go. So there is a, a lot to do on, on that side to, I would not say remain relevant, but to make sure that the people still see the validity of the concept after, after a while. And then you need to run the operations because uh, operations, let me, let me say, and not always move, and you know it very well. Uh, for example, uh, in all the clubs I've been, but also all the clubs I visited, and uh, and many stories you hear when you talk about Toastmaster, there is the problem of the venue. The venue is the core of the activity of Toastmasters, and will return to be when we will all be back uh, on site after uh, hopefully the end of COVID very soon but uh, the venue needs to be in, a, in the right place. So you need to look at your cohort of customers. Uh, are they students who are coming on a bike or on public transportation? Are they senior professional? Everybody's coming with a car. Everybody's coming with a car. Oh, the, the venue needs to be close to a parking spot because we don't, you don't want to have people walking for half an hour uh, to, to go to, to a certain venue. And, and all these considerations needs to be made according to how you want to develop your club. And then probably people don't want to meet in a scrappy room. So you need to look for a somehow decent and welcoming environment. And 
and decent and welcoming means budget because of course uh, rooms doesn't don't come for free and and then let me tell you the treasurer collects the budget and then the executive committee spends it but toastmasters uh, does not or at least clubs do not charge a lot of money so you need to run on a very lean budget as you would in any company in any team everybody has to be very lean uh, to to cut on costs and and you cannot ask in general for more money during the year so you need to make uh, run everything smoothly so there is not the raising capital in the financial markets like in a big company so you really need to be very efficient very effective and then there are venues issues because i mean sometimes the venue is not available sometimes you have a fight with the owners of the venue and i've seen more than once and then you and then you have to change the venue sometimes uh, you have to change a venue in, in, within one week and because you have people, namely your customer coming next week and you cannot tell them, oh, we're not going to have the meeting because, you know, we had a fight with the owner of the venue. So people are really scraping and struggling to get the uh, to the next venue and, and then you need to make it work uh, for everyone. And these issues uh, are the same which everybody could face in running uh, a company, of course, this is difference in size, but it's an invaluable experience because at Toastmasters, uh, you do not have ranking and uh, the leadership is not given by whether you are a managing director, the VP or a senior associate, uh, you need to be convincing people all the time. So you need to become a true leader to make sure that uh, everything runs smoothly because you need to convince people without authority. And this is a tremendous boost you can have in your uh, leadership style and in your, of course, uh, professional life, because then uh, if you want to rank up, you will need a lot of that skills before you have the authority to just order around people, which is, by the way, I believe not the right way to do it. So you always need to be... Uh, convincing people without authority because when you need authority it's probably because you don't have leadership so and this is all skills which you train at toastmasters at club level so you don't need to go to the district level when you deal with the broad international politics of toastmasters and the international arena but also at the club level you can have a, a very strong experience plus if you join a new club which is starting up you do have a lot of uh, let's say PR effort, convincing effort, the word of mouth efforts, which needs to be done to make your club grow and thrive. So I know about you that like since 2013, since we met and we were, we've been in touch for many years, you were in a quite stressful job and you had to give, put in a lot, a lot of hours uh, in order to advance your career. But uh, when we spoke last time, I understood that let's say over the past two years, you maybe switch the balance a little bit. Uh, would you be willing to talk a little bit about that, about what was the moment that made you decide uh, you want to switch and how does it, what are the things that you doing now? Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, as you said, I was very, very busy and I'm still very, very busy, but I believe that now I have a not so busy mindset, even though I have a still busy schedule versus the past where I had a busy mindset and uh, a busy schedule. In the past, I was commuting a lot of hours between two, three and four hours a day, depending on the period. 
and then a day, of course, and having my job like everybody does. And uh, I wasn't doing that much after work. I was usually very tired. And uh, of course, I was part of Toastmasters, but uh, I was focusing my personal life interest mostly on the weekends and not achieving that much uh, during the week. Uh, but mm, I decided, and thanks, I have to be saying that thanks to the extra time which was provided by COVID, uh, the COVID situation and the lockdown. And by the way, I'm truly sorry for those who have experienced losses and I'm still suffering because of, uh, of COVID. But thanks to the extra time I was given uh, for COVID, I had the opportunity to restart some of the activities which I used to do many years ago, namely reading um, and was the first activity. Uh, and I read also Louis's book, The School of Greatness, and also the ones you mentioned about Jane Quick, about Limitless, very recently, actually. And those books, uh, I, I would say, did provide me with some extra motivation to start uh, adding some new powerful habits within my schedule. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, so, sorry for jumping in, but I find it really interesting because for many people, like the COVID times when they were able to work from home, it provided them the opportunity to dive into their work even more and even deeper. But for you, it created space to do something else. So maybe there was already, you know, something at the back of your head. Maybe you were thinking a change was necessary. Or why do you think that was the case? Why do you think it wasn't like you did not dig deeper into your existing work? No, actually, if I have to count the numbers of our work, they actually are more than them, than before. But because I was commuting three to four hours a day, I'm not working four hours more, I'm probably working two hours more. So I still have one hour for free. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and, and that extra hours plus, uh, let's face it, not being stressed on the public transportation and, and fighting with on very crowded uh, trains uh, did allow the, the ad space uh, to focus on other activities like reading, uh, which then opened up uh, the room to start meditating, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the of the interview. Um, I gave it as a as a try. So I read on many books about leadership. Uh, also, we'll cite another one which is very good, which is Principles uh, by Ray Dalio, which is uh, probably one of the most successful, if not the most successful, ad fund manager in the world. Uh, namely invest a lot of money for those who are not familiar with the concept of an edge fund. And uh, he mentioned that the meditation is something which he does on a daily basis and actually is very helpful. I know that a lot of leaders do meditate just because you read them on the biographies on, on, on articles, but uh, I never give it a try. Yeah. So I know that leaders do it. And I don't because I feel that I'm too busy to do it. And, and, and then you realize if they can do it and they certainly have a busier schedule than mine by definition, uh, because they probably work like 15 hours a day, uh, weekends included, and they have like uh, crazy schedules and agendas and, 
uh, being on the jet set all around the world, uh, you feel like, okay, how comes that I don't have those 10 minutes a day to do this activity? And then you realize that it's more about your mindset around uh, being busy than the not, and then you, you give it a try. And, and I started, and then that's how I started to train and also on my body, like doing, now I'm training five times a week before I was training two times a week, uh, etc. So by, there are also a lot of books about habits. I know the one which is very famous is Atomic Habits. Uh, little by little, each and every day, rather than to try to maybe do a crush thing uh, over the weekend when you try to achieve everything, actually uh, did improve uh, the, I would say, provided me with a better version of myself after after one and a half year now when we are through the COVID and the schedule is still busy, uh, as busy as ever, probably even more busy because I'm uh, now starting the executive MBA. Uh, actually this week I started and uh, so I'm studying, I'm working full time, I'm doing Toastmasters, I am studying on extra courses, reading books and training. And actually I did a couple of mountain bike races this year and planning to continue doing so. And uh, guess what? Still myself, just uh, with the mindset that I have time to do everything. It's just about properly scheduling. Okay. And this so, is... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned a busy mindset. What, what does it mean to have... A busy schedule, I can clearly imagine that, but busy mindset, that's something that was holding you back. What does it mean? It means that, I mean, I probably you feel like, okay, I'm too busy to do all the things which can be done. And uh, you feel like, okay, I'm commuting a lot. I'm doing this. It's probably enough. I reach my capacity to do things. Oh, so you don't even try to plan, act like time for relax because you're just busy. Correct, correct. Uh, you don't plan those activities. And uh, this also connects to uh, one of the authors which you mentioned before, which is the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey, I think is one of probably the most famous um, self-organization less uh, management book you can find around. I invite everybody to read it. And essentially, he provides you with the direction on how to organize your busy life in a very schematic way. And it, let me tell you, it does work. It does work. Even though before I had like a ton of things, now I can put a ton of things plus an extra ton of things, and I'm still <laughs> here. So it's, uh, it's just, again, uh, the diary or your agenda is probably one of the most powerful tool you can have uh, and uh, you just need to know how to use it and uh, and I did learn and didn't prove a lot uh, over the last uh, one and a half year and then when I'm going to go back to to the office uh, in in probably believe in one month time I will still plan to keep on doing everything uh, despite my commute mm -hmm. okay I think this is a, a topic that's interesting for many people, also in Toastmasters, because especially when somebody has an active volunteer role, being a club officer or organizer of a conference or being active in the district, you know, very often you hear these stories when people say that 
they took so much on themselves because they really enjoy doing all that. But then at some point it just becomes too much, right? So they still have the work, they still have the family. And then they took on the volunteering role on top and they can do it for maybe three months, maybe six, maybe nine. But after that, they are, they're drained because it was just too much for them. And they and they are, they feel really busy. Uh, so if you were, after you going through your experience, do you think you will be able to give them a couple of tips as how to get the agenda under control? I would say the first tip I'm going to give to not just very busy people, but everyone is to uh, meditate. Meditation is a practice which allows you to witness emotion coming and going, let's put it this way, and to live into the present. Uh, what does that mean? That you don't have the worries about tomorrow's super schedule. Your worries about getting the things you have to do today in the present, in the present moment. Now I'm here talking to you. I'm not thinking about what I have to do tomorrow or just in two hours time. And sometimes when you are super busy and you feel like, you know, a lot of things are crashing on you, you might get distracted. While on the other end, if you take one, you know, one thing at a time in the right order, you can achieve it. And I believe the meditation does help in that respect. Uh, it wasn't easy. I'm not just saying that starting to meditate, yeah, you become a guru and you go to be a Tibetan monk. That's not that's not the case. It took me uh, several months before starting to see results and improvements, and I still have a long, long, long way to go. So how uh, did you how did you start? Do you use an app or is there a YouTube channel? I would like practically if I want if like somebody wants to start meditating right now, what do they do? Yeah. So. Um, of course, you can go to a class, probably a normal way. The way I started was during COVID. So I did found an app. There are two which are very prominent, I believe. One is called Edspace, which is the ones I use. And the other one is called Calm, uh, which have been recommended as well, but I haven't tried it out. Uh, but I'm sure that there are many, many others. So, uh, And I have no vested interest in those apps, by the way. Just um, not recommending them because... Uh, uh, I'm going to learn from them, but is um, that's what that's the way I started. I th there is a trial period, uh, the trial period. Then I started to do the very minimum amount of time, which is required for the exercise, which you know can go from three minutes to like fifty minutes, however you want. And uh, I couldn't even achieve the three minutes exercise, uh, which is essentially focus on your breath, uh, empty your mind, and see emotions coming and going for just three minutes. And uh, guess what? Uh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I did struggle so, so much uh, to get three minutes down the line. And, and then I realized that, okay, if you cannot do this simple exercise for three minutes, then there is potential to, to invest and to grow in this activity because as per what everybody says and what you read on books, etc., it might actually work. And uh, I would say it took me about four months to start to uh, see some results. And, I'm, and I still have a, a long uh, way to go. Probably there are people who see them immediately, people even longer. 
it's very subjective uh, on how busy your mind is. Uh, and, and meditation does help you to realize the business of your mind per se and to put it into a, a more manageable perspective, even though you're still as busy. There's nothing changing. It's just your mindset around being busy who changes. So this, this is the first uh, suggestion which I will give uh, to everyone. And it just takes 10 minutes a day. So, and there is, I don't want to hear that there is no, someone who doesn't have 10 minutes a day to dedicate to his own well-being because it's 10 minutes, literally. There are people who waste two hours on Facebook and Instagram, 10 minutes. And uh, second advice, uh, exercise. Exercise a lot and uh, keep your body in shape uh, because the, the more your body in shape uh, and your mind in shape, uh, the overall more stamina and endurance you will have even during uh, a busy day uh, because it, it's, it's very important. And I do believe it, it, it did help me from uh, during COVID times to start training more and more and more. And, uh, and I believe it's, you know, once you're in shape, you feel better about yourself, you feel better about the rest of the world, and then you can... Um, uh, get all the benefits uh, from your body and from your mind being total sync and um, and that's good and then of course you have to do proper nutrition and everything I'm not just uh, uh, I'm not saying to go on a diet but you know don't eat junk food but that's what we hear every day you know it's just it's something which is really really basic and which we hear from all over yeah but and so often so often we don't we just don't do it right exactly so the point <laughs> is just do it and it's not a nike uh, spot but is uh you, you have to do it it's like you know you read the book about whatever which is teaching you something unless you do it it's the book is wasted uh, and remains on your on your shelf taking actions uh it's most important even you don't need to do like uh, uh like 200 things uh, and try everything just select what you need and then try one by one i haven't started to do everything from one day you know starting super training on today and then tonight super meditation and then the next day adding three toastmasters activities and everything you <laughs> gradually add the steps uh, you manage your own agenda and schedule and you incorporate new habits on a daily basis as well, if you want to improve your diet, you, you're not just gonna stop tomorrow eating uh, all the all all the not so good things you were eating before. You you know, being gradual, I think it does help to to get to better results. But that's my my personal that's my personal view, and I I think it's easier to change if you do it on a gradual basis uh, rather than like in a, with a shock therapy. So unless the doctor tells you to go on a shock. You do it gradual, you don't feel the pain, and, and then you get the same results over time, of course. My personal opinions, of course. I'm not um, giving medical advice. Of course, of course. Uh, perfect, great. So tip number one, meditate. Tip number two, exercise, because that will actually create more time or more energy for you to get done more. Uh, anything, you know, how we go always with the rules of three. Any tip number three? Read. Yes. Uh, read uh, one of my favorite quotes, which just came very recently from actually Gene Quick in his book Limitless, is uh, readers 
are leaders, are actually leaders, are readers. Even the most uh, busy CEOs uh, spend a lot of time reading. There's some, uh, you hear stories that they wake up at five in the morning just to read their, their books because they want to be up to speed. They want to be in the edge of what's happening around the world and what are the new technological changes and to learn new things. And uh, because in, in a book, essentially, you find like 10, 20, maybe years of experience of someone condensed in 300 pages. And you can download 20 years of somebody's life into two weeks or maybe one week uh, of reading. And then you can multiply the number of lifetimes of experience from people across an entire year. So in one year, if you are an avid reader, you can probably read like 30 books, 50 books, depends. Guess what? You, you have multiple lifetime of experiences downloaded into your mind, and then you can apply those concepts and be better prepared for your personal, but also, I mean, of course, professional professional life so and, and it doesn't you don't have to read always about like business and and those kind of things even reading an novel uh, does help you develop some uh, uh, eq emotional intelligence if you want and uh, which is one of the skills which uh, we read more and more is of is in need nowadays on the in our private life and again on 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 the professional side so just read whatever you like. Just keep reading. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Giorgio, I think these were great tips for the end of the interview. Um, thanks so much. Thanks so much for sharing your experience. Thanks so much for giving it this time. Is there anything else that's on your mind that you would like to share and I still haven't asked? Guys out there, if you haven't done so, go and visit uh, your nearest Toastmaster club or when you're traveling, take the chance to visit uh, a fellow Toastmasters in your other clubs, you will never regret the experience. Uh -huh. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much and I uh, wish you a great day. Thank you very much, Lucas. Appreciate for having me. In case you got excited about the possibility of learning how to be a CEO, a Chief Product Officer or a Chief Marketing Officer and you want to practice that by taking a role in your Toastmasters club, well, you can wait for your next election or you can talk to your current club officers. I'm sure they'll be happy to get some help from you. If you'd like to put George's tips for balancing your life into action, number one, check out the Headspace app or a Calm app. Just search the words or follow links in the episode notes. Number two, do sports. Do you know that you can rehearse your speeches while, during, <laughs> while you're doing most sports? And number three, you can start reading. Um, at the episode notes, there'll be a list of books George mentioned during the podcast. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed. If you liked something, let me know. If you didn't, let me know too, if you feel like it. And I'll be looking forward to getting in touch next week. Have a great day. Bye-bye. <laughs>